Good day. Happy Victoria Day. I uh, We are a day late on this because we got a little sideways on the weekend and I wanted to. So uh, didn't rush to the garage to record an episode. But nonetheless, here we are. We've got another armchair episode. It's been a while. Thank you for joining us again. It feels natural to be like this. Glad to be back again. Uh, lots happened since we last sat down. So uh, we've got a lot to cover today. It might run a little late. But uh, nonetheless, we'll, we'll do our best to cover what we can yeah sounds good i think the last time we talked there were still lockdowns uh and all that and most of those measures have lifted thankfully although you know i think we're still dealing with a lot of the fallout and the change to society but you know there's no sense um complaining about it now no no we uh we'll take account when it's all said and done but uh we're we're hopefully through the worst of it now Seems to be. Unless monkeypox decides to to flare up and everyone... Really, at this point, it doesn't matter what comes or goes. It's all about reaction. Yeah, I mean, you can tell. It's, you know, it's disaster porn from the media. Um, You know, sensationalizing something. And who knows? Who knows what monkeypox ends up doing? Uh, I remember in the early days of COVID, you know, in December... 2019 when or in early january 2020 i kind of was brushing it under the rug too because we've seen it before but you know that obviously went the way it did but i don't think monkeypox is uh the same threat i don't think i'm again this is my optimistic side poking out but i I don't think people's appetites are there at this point (laughs) And that's what it's down to, right? Yeah. Are people willing to react? Because it's not like... Of course they would react if they saw a disaster playing out in front of them every day. You know, like if there was a real dangerous pandemic. But as far as what the media can just drum up out of nowhere... Yeah. Uh, people are don't care. No. And uh, and I think that's a good spot to be. Um, but before we get too wide, we'll, we'll kind of start local... Uh, yeah. Being that in a little over a week now, a week from Thursday, we've got the Ontario election. And uh, yeah, <laughs> yeah, it's, I'm not super worked up about it. No. Um, not super invested because practically speaking, it looks to be like Doug Ford's going to basically status quo. Yeah. And uh, it sucks to say, um, pragmatically, it kind of seems like the best outcome possible. And, like, it genuinely hurts me to the core to say that, because I think he's a terrible conservative and a terrible leader. Well, like, you know, he... It, it's the outcome that I'm hoping for out of all the plausible outcomes is a conservative majority, but I won't vote conservative, and by rights, I think Doug Ford should be in jail. Yeah, no, uh, I definitely... And also, like, some of the financials behind it, I, I would love to see how he has become wealthier... Oh, yeah, 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 No, he's definitely leveraged a bunch of uh, opportunities over the last couple years. And, I mean, it's, it's, I'm in no way excited for the conservative majority. I don't think that they're going to judge, or, uh, you know, they're not going to be conservative. But it's just that the other options are so much more terrible. Yeah, and, like... Again, I, I'm not discounting the Ontario Party or the New Blue. Um, I'm fortunate in my riding, I can actually vote on my conscience because there's no significant vote split where I'm from. 
it is a thoroughbred conservative riding. So it affords me the opportunity of, of without guilt, being able to vote my conscience. But just practically speaking, it would be a great thing if, if one of the right-of-center parties like New Blue or Ontario Party, it'd be great if they could get one or two ridings just to have a voice of reason in, in the House. It would be great. I doubt it. Um, I think uh, Belinda and what's what's her? Jim. Jim. I think they're both out, um, but you know it is it is basically the way things go in Canadian politics is people vote with what they know. Uh, so you're you're voting between three major parties, and, and that's you're, it. You're voting against. You're not voting for anyone. You're voting like even Doug Ford. You're not voting for Doug Ford. You're voting against Andrea Horvath and Master of Disguise. Yeah, <laughs> Master of the Skies. What's yeah. that about? Have you not seen the Stephen DeLuca beside the turtle, turtle, turtle dude? Oh, he does look like that guy. That's funny. Yeah, no. You know what? I, at least where it's probably a product a bit of where I'm from, but like, I know more people who would be driven to actually vote for the NDP and Liberal Party. Now, I, I come from a riding that is solidly NDP, so again, I can vote my conscience and not have to worry about not having voted a conservative MPP in. But, um, Fuck your neighbors. <laughs> yeah, well, you know, my I do have some neighbors that put out their, their NDP sign every election, but you know what? They're really good people, so it, it kind of goes to show you that you can't just judge based on these silly things sometimes but uh but no like what i was getting at is a lot of the left of center people are excited to vote for their candidate but i don't know any conservatives who are like oh yeah doug ford he's doing a great job yeah but they're still gonna vote for him because they don't want the alternative which is how he's gonna end up with his majority but you know nobody's excited about Doug Ford. Yeah, well, and even in my writing, because, like, our conservative rep literally quit mid-pandemic after some horrible votes. Like, our our conservative MPP voted to main, not allow outdoor sports early. So they, they had a ban on outdoor sports in, like, July of last year. And the NDP, for, to credit them where it's due... They motioned to allow outdoor sports to circumvent the, the restrictions uh, an extra three weeks earlier or something. And my conservative MPP voted against it. So he quit. He literally didn't even finish his term. Uh, he just quit. Um, oh, good. So good, the conservative party, in, in all of their splendor, took a abject failure of a candidate. They ran in a very strong liberal riding in London. They took him and planted him out here because it's a it's a sure shot. Yeah, uh, yeah. So again, like the guy doesn't belong out here. He's not from here. He it's you gave me a patsy candidate and he's gonna walk it. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, Ontario politics, Canadian politics, it's it's so much of it's just a joke. There, I mean, there's there's a very high level portion of it, but as far as your average MPP. They're they're just faces. Yeah, it's so much posturing and backbenching. Um, there there's some top players who are really the ones who are making things happen, 
everybody else is whipped into doing what they have to do and blah, blah, blah. And, um, I'm not trying to say that, like, there's no point in voting or anything like that. It's just, it is a little bit disheartening when, when there's really no room for any movement or change. No, and, and this is where I get a little hopeful for, like, don't get me wrong, I don't expect the Ontario or the Ontario Party or the New Blue to really be... I mean, it would be naive to think they're going to make a huge splash on their first year, uh, on their first ever election, because both of them, it's their first election. Um, you look at the PPC, you look at the NDP, you look at the Green Party, it takes years to get any, any foothold, and like the PPC are just starting to find their stride. Yeah. Um, and they've certainly got some lessons to learn coming up. Because uh, to keep the momentum, they're going to have to adapt. But it would it would almost be naive to think that, yeah, they're going to fix it this time around. Yeah. Th- they're serving a purpose. Um, and we have to really address the... Because at some point it does become a vote split. And when you're fighting against principalities that are doing the absolute opposite, you've got the NDP and Liberals joining forces. Yeah. So it, it gets to be you're kind of spiting your nose to save your face at some point at some point we've got we've got to deal with what is now in reality at least on the federal level a NDP and liberal coalition i mean between the two of them they're certainly getting a majority um federally and I mean, as far as conservatives and the vote split and different factions, I think it's really good to have different factions because I'm really lukewarm on the CPC as well. But, and I'm a big fan of the PPC. But at the same time, yeah, I mean, it is short of the PPC and Maxime Bernier making a really good turnout on the next election, which is probably 2025. Um, we'll see what Jagmeet has to say, but yeah. Yeah, um, pending pending a Jagmeet backstab, um, I I think he's gotta he's gotta really look at it and say what am I doing here? Well, and the other thing too, and like this really applies to Belinda, her team. It applies to Derek Sloan. Uh, it applies to Roman Baber. It rep- it applies to all of the like people fighting genuinely fighting the good fight. Like I'm not discrediting anyone, but it really it really comes down to okay, like say we get a solid candidate. Like, again, I, I own my bias. I, I think Pierre Polyev really could be what we need. I, I, I leave room for the objections that I'm sure Derek Sloan, the other T people will all have in the sense that, oh, it's just the same clown, different face. Right. right? right. But he, for the first time, we've got a, a CPC leadership candidate basically saying, hey, I don't care about woke culture. I don't care about politically correct. I'm I'm doing this for, for the little guy, and it feels genuine. So like, if Polyev feels better we, than Sheer, right? Or, oh, for or, sure. Or, O'Toole, or, or Patrick sure. Brown. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, or or what is the French guy who literally was a liberal? Oh, really? I don't even yeah, know. Yeah, like Gil Gilbo. I don't know his name. Yeah, Not yeah, Gilbo. Yeah. That's the terrorist in Trudeau's team. <laughs> Um, anyway, I don't even know. That's how disconnected I am. But there's the, the French dude is running and he was literally a liberal before. Yeah. Um, but no, for once, Polyev, it gives you a a feeling. What? Wow. It's like a bird dying out there or something. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know uh, if that got picked up on the mics. (laughs) But yeah, so for the first time it feels like, well, and let's be practical. Polyev's probably going to walk it. 
Yeah, yeah. You know, I actually got a call from uh, his his uh, campaign. They, they must have got my number from some sort of something I signed. They've been hard on the texting too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I'm getting texts. I'm getting calls. I finally got the call. They got through to me. I answered, and you know, some lady member of his team and asking if I would uh, sign up to be a Conservative Party member to vote for him. Because uh, I think the vote is June third, where you have to f- sign up by June third. I think. I think the deadline. I think it's actually come and gone. Okay. Doesn't apply to me because I've already got my card. Well, I, I basically just said, listen, you know, I wish him the best, even though I am lukewarm on him, uh, which is far and away better than any other candidate. Oh, yeah. Uh, you know, oh, Leslie Lewis. I like Leslie Lewis. but She's actually the reason I got my membership at all. To vote for To her. vote for her instead of O'Toole. <laughs> yeah, she was, yeah, yeah. She was hands down the best candidate in the yeah. last leadership election. But yeah. up against Polyev, I don't. I I love her, but it's not her time. No, she's not gonna win. Polyev is gonna win, and I basically just said that. I like. I'm not looking to tie myself down to a party, um, which is true. You know, I. You gotta earn your vote. Yeah, yeah, and I and so far, they've done really nothing to earn my vote um, as a party. Uh, so. Just one other thing I wanted to say is Roland Baber, really like the guy. I wish I he would have really done provincial. Do. Yeah, he should have done provincial. Um, but I mean, what's he, what was he really going to do? Was he going to primary? Well, I think uh, Doug Ford. I don't even think you can do that in Ontario politics. This is this is the thing that like, and again, it go, comes back to my point is like, say Polyev wins, do we see a big tent happen? Do we see do we see people that like pragmatically? aren't going to help on their own. I get, their heart's in the right place, they're, they're fighting the good fight. You've got Polyev, you've, or not Polyev, you've got um, Bernier, you've got Sloan, you've got New Blue. Will they come back under a conservative tent if it's represented properly? Well, I think, f- first of all, like a lot, a lot of the uh, candidates will. Leslie Lewis will... Patrick Brown, I mean, he'll probably just well, stick on as mayor of Brampton. And, well, that being and, said, but they've never left. Like No, exactly, yeah. Linda you, you're talking about the out. breakaway parties. Yeah. Um, Sloan was kicked out. Yeah. Bernier was kicked out. Bernier, if, Bernier left, but, If yeah. they were invited back and an olive branch was handed out, would they take it? Is my, is my, cause yeah, like, and I, I can't speak to all of them. I would My, my instinct with Bernier... Bernier wouldn't. The, no, and I'm okay with him not doing that. Um, I, I, I don't like again pragmatically. I don't think he's ever gonna make too big of a splash. I think he's the only one that might. He's the only one that might. I agree, but I still don't think he will. Um, but honestly, I feel like I wouldn't want him to just fall back in the fold because then it would just be so easy to go back to the old ways. You're right. And they need somebody who's really going to put them, you know, under a microscope and say, like, are you really following your conservative principles here? Or are you just doing whatever the media is bidding? Um, And honestly, I like Polyev a a bit, uh, but some of the things that turn me off about him are that he does seem to, and I get there's some practical reasons behind this, but he does seem to play a little bit too much to the media. Um, the way the way I see this is, is like he's trying to get out in front of issues that came up. For 
one example was, and I don't have all the details, but there was some sort of shooting at a Mississauga mosque. Um, and before many details came out, you know, every leader is falling all over themselves to say, like, we can't, we don't tolerate hate and, and all this stuff. And Polyev also did. And first of all, well, I'll get it out. The, the person who was shooting, it seemed like he was a, he was a mosque member. It might have even just, it might not have even been ideological at all. It might have just been some sort of... Uh, Domestic decision. Yeah, and you know what, it wasn't a shooting. He brought in a hatchet or something. Oh, fuck. Yeah, and he was subdued. Nobody was killed. But, but you know, everybody's falling all over themselves thinking that this is some sort of hate crime or terrorist attack. And, first of all, if it was, if somebody did, like we had in Quebec a few years ago, if it was like that... Yeah, I think it should be said, we don't tolerate hate. But you should wait for the facts to come out. And nobody did, including Polyev. It's like, immediately get out in front of this. Yeah. And, it, uh, like, I kind of understand because he could be held. It's, it's probably, he looks at it as, if it is a hate attack or a hate crime, and I didn't say anything, then I get taken to task for it. But if I say something and it turns out it's not a hate crime, well, no harm, no foul type thing. Yeah. But it's just the instinct of that knee-jerk reaction that yeah. bugs me. I, I give Polyev a little more grace than most right now. Because like, I can kind of see the mechanisms at play. I understand that he's now kind of fighting for middle-of-the-road votes. Yeah, he, he you, wants to it, peel conservatives off veer to the center during campaigns. And then hopefully to the right ones. Yeah, so. and and I see it happen where he he allows other people to kind of pick up that stronger conservative torch. But I don't know if, if you or any of the listeners likely have uh, saw the Jordan Peterson interview with him. There you know, a, I saw that it was out. I still have oh not my listened gosh. to it. I There's really a should. couple moments where I'm like, I just got a little more impressed. And I'm a big Polya fan. I, I again, I own my bias. Mm-hmm. Um, but there was a couple statements he made. He talked about the government having a monopoly on force and it was just like the things he was saying was almost like anti-state and it's so so nice to see a conservative because like my whole lifetime you've either seen a liberal type government expanding government power or a conservative government doing nothing with power just maintaining, maintaining the status it, yeah. quo. They so, never, they've never given anything. Back. So my whole life, and like really, the that's last not true. Harper did do. He banned the long gun registry. Yeah, he dissolved it. He didn't he, ban it because it's back. Yeah, today. yeah, yeah. It's back. No, no, no. But he, he, he temporarily did. So he something. did one thing. Yes. Um, <laughs> he he removed one bureaucratic step, uh, which is now back. But yeah, for the for the most of my life, all government has done is is scope creep really always um but now for the first time you've got a parliamentarian who's talking about you know what we should do the opposite we should give power back to the people and stop interfering in in as many so just to have that in the room gives me so much excitement yeah yeah well like i say um of all the practical winners, like I mean, he he is likely to win, and if he does run, you know, against Trudeau and Jagmeet, I'll 
I think I'll likely vote conservative for a nationally for the first time in my life. Yeah, I think he's gonna wipe the floor with Trudeau. Trudeau just cannot handle that personality. I think I think he would beat Trudeau. He's and smart. Think, he's smarter than Trudeau. I think Jagmeet knows his days are numbered, and I actually, I think it was Polyev who highlighted the fact. No, it was Baber, highlighted the fact that the coalition government will keep Paul Jagmeet in power long enough to get his pension. <laughs> is that right? Yeah, <laughs> that's funny. Um, because um, I think Jagmeet knows that his time is numbered, uh, because at this point. The liberal government and the NDP government are identical. The NDP support everything liberal. Yes. And the liberals are basically socialist as it is. Yeah. In, in today's setup. Yeah. They're further so, left than NDP. So Jagmeet Singh and N- NDP are, are effectively a, a moot vote. Yep. Well, and the only thing that he does bring, and I wondered if this was sort of principle, is him signing this coalition saves Trudeau from the conservatives. Now, I didn't know about the pension thing. But I thought, okay, if you if purely remove my interests, if you're thinking from his principles, if he is truly a leftist, which he does appear to be, uh, and he thinks, okay, I'm not personally ever going to win or grow the party. I mean, it, it's just been a slow decline for the NDP under his leadership. Um, but maybe I can stop what he would see as the greater of two evils being a conservative. Yeah, he's just trying to pull as many strings as he can. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I, I think he's bleeding support. It's not even... He absolutely is bleeding support, which is why you see him pander to children. He joins TikTok, and he's he's floated the idea of lowering the voting age. Oh, they're all talking about this 16 voting age. Honestly... I shouldn't have been able to vote at 19. Oh, I was just going to say, it, it should be increased to... 21. 21 22. at least, yeah. Um... I'm sorry, people just... Uh, your average 19-year-old now does not have the same responsibilities and, you know... Well, yeah, responsibilities that the average 19-year-old had 30 years ago. Yeah, and I, I think our system is just set up in a way that, like, you basically promise children free candy, and that's basically what locks in that whole block. Yeah. Um, whether or not you follow through on it doesn't even matter. No, um, but yeah, it's it's naked self-interest to to uh, proposition well children voting. I think it's I think it's very superficial because I do I have some friends who have children that are coming of age, and I, the the right counterswing is happening. Like I yeah, we'll see. I mean, Gen Z. I don't know. Like know, maybe. I've I've seen and heard Gen Z. Yeah, I don't know what they are. Well, yeah, Gen Z, but I just. But yeah, like straight up, like the everything that Dave Chappelle is back in like it. It literally sounded like Eddie Murphy delirious. Like listening just, to these kids. Oh my gosh, it's like I work construction sites from time to time, and. The, the things I hear there pale. Like, these kids have them beat tenfold. <laughs> um, I certainly... And again, I, I've, I've warned that the, the right counterswing is going to be too much. You're going to see hate crimes. Genuine hate crimes. Well, then, you know, we got to be... We got to be really uh, clear in standing up to that stuff, right? Nah, let it go. <laughs> <laughs> Let's do some damage. <laughs> 
No, I, I don't. I don't wish for anyone to have hate crimes perpetrated. No, but it's like let's let's let both sides have the damage shown because both sides are responsible. Yeah, but you know what? And the extreme left creates all, the extreme right. All I can say is, is like you don't want to start something that you don't know where it will go. I'm telling you, you cannot predict where that will end up. I, I kind of do. No, I'm, I've I've become a little bit of an anarchist, really. No, but the systems all need to fall apart. Right, like you know, I would, I I'm definitely leaning more towards the anarchist side now. But again, you just I I don't think you know what you're asking for because it's so hard to predict what happens one week in, one month in, one year in. The reality of why I feel comfortable saying that is because everybody, everybody on the right knows where the line is. So when it gets crossed, it doesn't matter who's crossing it or how po- It doesn't matter. We'll all know that this crossed the line. Because, like, let's be honest, if somebody goes and starts take it to the extreme, if somebody starts lynching again, guess what? Nobody's, nobody, it doesn't matter how heated people get, everyone will be like, hey, you're wrong. Don't do that. Like you're no, like you're going to jail. We don't support that. So I think I, it's easier to kind of joke about because it is so clear that the lines are there. Where the left don't have lines. Well, I mean that yeah. So I think Peterson's talked about this before is that like we know what it looks like when the right goes too far. Um, and it, like, it's sort of a clear image in the zeitgeist of like, you know, it, it, it's really nationalism, ethno-nationalism taken to an extreme. Whereas even though we know the left can go too far, it has many times, um, it's less of a clear divide between when they've crossed that line. Um, and so, I, I, I don't know, yeah, I do feel like there is danger from both sides, and that I agree that it's pretty clear what the danger from the right is, but again, I just don't even want to let it get there, that's why I'd like to see more of a slow snapback, like, it's sort of an oxymoron, slow snap, but, yeah, um, I do think it has to break now. But really, we we don't want to go down the path of. Well, I do think it is breaking. Like you saw, like Netflix, which is one of the worst perpetrators of terrible wokeism. They've just fired three hundred of their wokest activist employees. Well, and they put out that culture memo. Yeah, and, and so, but here's the thing: I, I'm super. This is an example of what I would like to see, where, yeah. Netflix has all sorts of things on there that I think are just ridiculous. But you know what? I just don't watch them. Right. I watch the things that I like, and that's it. And if a company's so bad that like and, and doing such awful things like Disney, I cancel my membership, my yeah. subscription. Great. Uh, and luckily, it's a full year subscription, so I still have access to the Disney movies for my daughter for another few months before I have to switch to bring out my old VHS. Um, but, you know, as far as Netflix putting out that culture memo, that is the example of what I want to see because that is where things are going too far is like this, this pandering to these 
frankly, a minority of people who freak out over everything on the left, and everybody, every major corporation panders to them. And seeing a big company like Netflix stand up and say, hey, no, you're just going to have to fuck off, or don't work here, um, then, you know, that that needs to be made an example of and, and followed as far as it can be. Well, yeah, well, I don't understand how, like, we've gotten to the point, like, it's fine to have your feelings hurt. It's fine to be upset about things. And if things cross the line, like, let's talk about it. But, it, like, you don't get supreme authority over everything. Like, if you disagree with something, that doesn't mean it, it has to cease to exist. Like, right. it, it sounds extreme, and it absolutely is extreme, but, like, you're sharing the same mechanism of action as Hitler. I disagreed with these people. They can't exist. Again, I'm dramatizing that to the highest degree. But it's like, you cannot be so intolerant that people can't exist. Yeah, I mean, and, and I, you know, the counter that they would put out is that we're not saying you can't exist. and They're just saying there needs to be consequences for your actions. But it's like... But those consequences no, but like mean you, you can't exist. Well, essentially, right? Like, And that's, that's the thing, is they would say, it's not like we're trying to kill you. And it's like, no, but you're making us not be able to live within society, except unless we're completely closeted. Right. Well, that's the thing. Like, I don't delineate much of a difference. Like, if you seek out to have somebody's means of feeding their family removed yeah then yeah no sorry you are actually trying to kill them because you sought out to deprive them of the ability to feed their family we've initiated violence and, at and that you, point you, and like yeah i'm not throwing away violence like the way the left throws away violence and not like words or violence but literally when you take away somebody's ability to provide for themselves or their family and participate in society it, yeah, that's, it's the modern you know, day tar and feather. You, you better you better be prepared for how that animal backed into the corner is going to react. Right. Well, it's it's the modern tar and feather, where like you have been marked, and all of society must know that you are untouchable. Right. Um. So no, I, I think the counter shift is necessary and welcome, and I think we're starting to see it. We'll see how quick it gets going. I don't know. I I'm hopeful, and even now, like you've got mainstream media reporting. Um, like, did I, Rosemary Barton had Roman Baber on, which is like, oh, yeah. right, like, you know, <laughs> you know that they're going south when they're like, okay, well, maybe we have to give yeah, a voice. Would, would you even go, if he, you're a conservative, would you, I mean, maybe you would, especially if you're Roman Baber who needs, you know, as much. He handled her pretty well, actually. I was pretty impressed. Yeah, just, you know, one of the things I'd love to see is just a complete replacement of the old guard media. Well, again, this is where, it's like... slowly happening. Uh, yeah, I, and... like Without them even realizing how bad it is for them. Right, well, and the thing is, with CNN, I think, eventually, I don't know who does it or when, sooner or later they're going to lose crown funding. Oh, uh, CBC? Or, yeah. Yeah. They're going to lose crown funding, and the thing is, they've gotten themselves, and they're, they're still committed to this trajectory, where when they lose that crown funding, their business model is going to be so upside down, that they will literally implode. Well, they'll, ha they'll have to change their model. You know what, actually, I would... I would love to see an opt-out option where... Uh, or an opt-in. Make it more of an opt-in. If you want to support CTV or CBC, then sure, 
here, here, you check this off, and you'll have to pay this on whatever taxes. But if you don't, you don't pay that portion of taxes. You know what? Or, or, or if it's an opt-out, you'd get a rebate, right? Or, you know what? Say, hey, no, I, I there's because the argument could be made that, yeah, we need to foster creative content in Canada. We need to foster yeah, yeah. national content. Okay, fine. Allow me to self-direct it to independent media. Give it to, like, a consortium of independent press. Be it Rebel News, the National <laughs> Post, whatever. Yeah. Versus well, all of it going to... Like, we're talking over a billion with a B. That is a thousand million. Yeah. Well, I actually, you know, this is... I, I just think the it, it's on an outdated system. I think before the internet, you might have needed that outlet for Canadian content. Uh, to be able to support that, and I mean, I, I don't know how important of a role it's played. Well, there was a day, like there, even in my lifetime, there was a time where one, the CBC was admirable. Yeah. And oh, yeah. B, and, and one and B, um, but also like they promoted Canadian content, and like that was a big part of it. Um, like Corner Gas, I love that show. Yeah, yeah. That is like the Canadian Office. Was that CBC or CTV? That was CBC. Okay. Yeah. Um. But yeah, like they support it, and like Radio One, Radio Two, Radio One, oh, both of those. So Radio Two, I used to put on in my tractor when I was working at the golf course, <laughs> just like listen to classical music because yeah. I'm driving up and down the tractor, uh, up and down the fairway. But uh, yeah, Radio One, I used to listen to all the time. You know who is great on Radio One? Gian Gameshi. <laughs> oh, oh man! No, he was great. I love that program. Uh, but. <laughs> he was me too before me too well um, and like from what i've seen he kind of deserved that one well you know what he was one of okay. the justified me too's i don't know i don't know okay so again i <laughs> don't want to speak out of turn i don't know all the details but man this is a tough one but uh, let's go for it <laughs> he uh he did seem first off right off the bat seemed like a sleaze bag uh there were some r- reports of him like you know, like, trying to flirt with the, like, interns from college, these girls who are coming to work on the show, and, like, he's, like, flirting with them, and it's like, okay, they're of age. But there's an authority But, like, gap. come on. Like, give me a break, man. Like, don't fucking do that. Yeah. But the things that really nailed him, and... and, and Lucy so I jo- from the trailer park! What was that? <laughs> he got... There was, like... That was a huge chunk of his allegation, was... I, I think it was Lucy from the trailer park, boys... Um, where he basically, like, assaulted her and, like, choked her out. Okay, so... It got listen, to be almost battery. Listen, so this is where... Okay, I don't know all the specifics, so I don't know for sure. But I do know at least in one case, one of the women who had basically accused him of, like, choking her during sex and stuff. She, like, I think they had gotten together a couple times... And, yeah, apparently that's something that he's into. You know, that fucking weird... Yeah, well, the question is, as long as everyone else is into it. Well, and this is the thing, is afterwards, you know, she's saying she wasn't, and that it was, you know, violent and all this stuff, but she's got emails back to him over, like, a few days and weeks after this supposed hookup, where she's like, oh, your hands, and they're so amazing, and all this stuff. So, like... Okay, I'm not here trying to tell women 
how they can and can't react to assault. I get it. There's a whole spectrum of how people are going to behave. But specifically highlighting his hands and stuff when you're saying that he was grabbing your throat and that that made you uncomfortable in these emails back and forth, like, I don't know, it kind of sounds like you were into it, too. <laughs> yeah, well, and that's the thing, like, you can have, I, I, don't, I don't know enough, and I'm sure there's, there's things that we don't eat, like, the public wasn't even privy to. Maybe. Yeah, um, and I'm not, I'm not falling on my sword like, for Gian Gomez. No. Uh, he did, like I say, sounded like a total dirtbag. But also... But I, he had a great program, man. But, but <laughs> also... so good. Both people involved in a terrible situation, whether it's accurate or not, both people can also just suck. Like, you can yeah, both be sleazebag, yeah, 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 yeah. and one of you is also a, a sleazebag victim. And you can also be super talented. Right. The guy was a great interviewer. Yeah. <laughs> um, but no, like, CBC has its place. Yeah. And, and, but, like, it has passed its prime. Oh, and man. And it's gotten I, to the B where I it, can't it is... put it on now without hearing, like, some crazy leftist shit. Well, the funding problem, it I has... can't have it on for one minute without no. hearing that. And, and I think if you really go back to it, you can watch it go downhill as the funding goes uphill. And the more beholden they become to a state entity, yeah, which I mean, like they've always been a state entity, but they were bipartisan for so long. I think I kind of stopped listening to them sometime around 2014. Like this hour has 22 minutes. I remember how many times they do like skits on Jean Chrétien, who was a liberal, and it was like it was funny. Like they they called shots left and right. Yeah. And it was it was good comedy. And it was also not like super Or like Rick Mercer. Super serious where like they would try to like really take the conservatives to yeah. to like the cleaners. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like they weren't like trying to destroy them. It or, was like, you know, they were poking fun at them. Yeah. Just like they would poke fun at the you know, Paul Martin or whoever. But yeah. but yeah, it it it's so out of hand now. Uh, I've got, but I've th- got no time. I do think CBC they will radio. lose their funding sooner or later. I think, I think that death knell is coming. Yeah. Um, and then once that's done, I don't, I don't think they'll be able to just based on like if they had any foresight or consideration, they would see what's coming one way or another. It, their days are numbered from a public funding standpoint, at least to the level that they're at. Yeah, but so you can't just start pivoting now. No, but to it, you save know what it is. What they can, but they're not. They're, they're, so they're doubling deep. down. They're so deep into this stuff. Like their board members have changed. Yeah, all like everybody at that table is such a firm believer. Well, a bunch of them are like straight up ex liberal members, not members, but like party leadership and adv- advisors and, and and it's not even party. It this is like truly indoctrinated into identity politics, <clears throat> intersectionality, um, you know, the horror, anti-colonialism, all this stuff, right? So they, it's not so much that they are thinking from a business strategy. They're truly thinking in a moralistic strategy. They're thinking like you should treat them almost like they're religious adherents. Oh, 100%. And, and, and so, like, you can't expect... Like, it, it's like, to use a, an extreme example, if you're fighting the Taliban or ISIS, you're not, you don't just, like, keep pressuring them and hope that they kind of go, you know what, I think for our long-term interests... Are we the we, here? No, we should, we should pivot and kind of be more moderate. No, they're going to, they are going to fight to the death. Yeah. And that's how, obviously an extreme example, but that is how these people think. 
Oh, it's in definitely a very moralistic. It's uh, definitely term. become a bit of a religion esque thing, and I mean leftism in general. Oh yeah, and I think I think that's almost the most dangerous part is because that's how they allow themselves to justify just dismissing other arguments. It's it's you're not moral, so I don't have to listen to you. It's a faith based argument, so yeah, it, it's difficult to deal with. Um, but you know that that's all over the world right now. So, but just circling back around and finishing wrapping up the provincial stuff, I uh, it's. <laughs> It's the the amount of tone deafness is a hilarious. First off, Andrea Horvath, the NDP, batshit crazy. Yeah, I've never, I've never listened to her for more than half an hour. I like they're like, like we I want think total. We want like a twenty five dollar minimum wage. Inflation's out of hand, but we also want twenty five dollar minimum wage. We don't want to do anything for the middle class that would be wiped. Okay, well now you're just middle minimum wage. $25 minimum wage. Remember it was like like four or five years ago they were arguing for $15 minimum yeah, wage. Yeah, they want to wipe out student debt. They want uh, everyone... I mean, they got their $10 childcare, which is absolutely insane. Like, I... My wife is in childcare, and it's like, she's now... Like, their their management already told them, they're like, you're not getting a raise for like five years. Right. Because, um, like, <coughs> how can we... Like, it's like, you want to pay people well, but you also don't want to pay for the shit you use. Yeah. Um, and then, yeah, so NDP are just off the deep end. I don't understand how they've broken themselves so badly. Well, I mean, in one way, they're, like, speaking more to the reality, not the politics of it. There is a fundamental break in the economy and how things are supposed to function or how things have functioned in the past i mean the price of real estate is just insane and i get it it's fallen back a little bit i don't care it's unsustainable no even at today's prices i couldn't buy my house today it's unsustainable exactly um my house doubled in price in the less than three years since we bought it yep and so it, and we by no means live in like a really fantastic house. Like you know, we live below our means. We're happy with it. Uh, but if we were in the same boat today, trying to buy a house, we could not do it. Nope. And I am not a huge earner. My wife is not a huge earner. But between our household income, we're certainly in the top half. Uh, of, you know, percentage in London uh, of earners. And, you know, I would say probably in the top 40, if not close to top 30%. And that, again, by no means big earners, because it's not like London's full of big earners. But we would not be able to buy a house. No, no. I couldn't buy the house I'm living in today. We bought it two years ago. So yeah, we're really fortunate. But imagine you're a young. Well, it's person like I've now. got kids. It's like if you're a young person now. Unless you're making, like, hundred and twenty k a year, you're not going to be able to buy a house. No, and I, I to to the NDP and Liberals' credit, like they're trying to solve a problem, and the problem is nobody can afford houses. The problem, the the problem really though is you're not gonna you're actually gonna make it worse. Oh, by totally. Inflating It'll be runaway wages. inflation. Yeah, yeah. I don't, but I don't know what what the solution is. Well, I mean, the best... Solution, I don't think inflating the currency is the way to no, do it. No, and I do think that 
raising interest rates is the responsible thing. God. I think artificially low interest rates have seriously contributed to this problem. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, but the thing is, you're here now. So how do you manage it once the damage is already done? And then you also have to mitigate the fact... Because you could raise interest rates tomorrow to 7 8%, but it's like the people that bought in the last 12 months are absolutely holding the bag. Yeah. It's because they've signed the bill on the inflated value, and now you're sticking them with the 7 8% interest. So it's like you have to find a way to Hope manage... that fixed rate. Right. Yeah. Well, and you've got... Even then, like when they go to renew... Oh yeah. Like I've uh, my fixed rate is one and a half percent. Yeah, my fixed rate is right around the same. When I go to renew, it's gonna be five. Yeah, I know. I'm gonna be renewing in two years almost. Yeah, so like it's yeah, we'll see. But it's people like us in that middle ground that are gonna have to hold that bag. So like I don't fault the NDP or liberals for tr- like seeing a problem and and getting the wrong answer on how to fix it. Um. But, like, some of the stuff, just tone deaf. Uh, Horvath is just a nutcase. She's straight-up socialist. Not Jack Layton's party. No. NDP used to be the stopgap between the liberals and the conservatives. Well, I mean, they were always left of the liberals, even. But they were at least... I don't know. I've never voted NDP. I've never personally given them much I uh, voted for Layton. Yeah, well, I don't... I I didn't hate Layton. I can't say I was his biggest fan, but I mean, certainly now looking back, I mean, he would I mean, he'd be a godsend for, right. for the NDP. But yeah, I mean, again, there's got to be some things done. Gas prices are just out of control. Meanwhile, they're still upping the car. People don't realize uh, if you keep on track with Trudeau's carbon tax, they'll be paying ninety cents a liter in, in car- just carbon tax yeah. in the next couple years because of Trudeau. And you know what? It's funny, this this whole carbon tax thing, the principle behind it is that if you make the consumer pay more for a liter of gasoline, they will moderate their use of their vehicle. Plus, you get this tax dollars that you can... Well, see, I, I understood the carbon, and I might be wrong here, but I understood the carbon tax as they're putting a price on pollution... For all pollution generation yes. and use. Yeah, 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 yeah. And they're supposed to be rebating the consumer level person. So, the, in theory, the way it was supposed to work is corporations that pollute will pay and get no rebates. And the rebates will then go to the consumer. Well, first off, no. it that doesn't work because <laughs> free market will dictate that any increase in cost of business will just be passed off in price. Exactly. But also... Also, the double end of that liberal lie is now they've rezoned all the, the carbon tax credits, and now most consumers, depending on what province you're in, but most of them, are now paying more than they get back. Well, and, and the thing is, is no matter how uh, a party, like the Liberal Party, tries to spin a carbon tax, like a carbon tax is not a Canadian thing, right? Like, this is a global yep. initiative, and again, the principle is you raise the cost of of polluting, so it's not just driving your car, but whatever, however you're polluting through carbon emissions, to the point where you start to, as the consumer, consume less. Um, but do you see less cars on the road? No, and it, yeah, so it's just hurting people's pocketbooks. Yeah, and uh, but like back to just to wrap out Deluca, like we <laughs> we, t- we touched on NDP, but like Deluca, he's promised 
that if elected in, as Ontario Premier, he will mandate childhood vaccine with COVID vaccine. Which is, honestly, like, fine, if that's what you believe, like, let's have that fight. But it's like, polling shows that the most reluctant people to, to, to do that for their kids are white liberal women voters. Right. It is like, literally the antithesis to your your platform. Yeah. Uh, and the guy's been just dead, like he, I think he genuinely thinks people are so wrapped up in COVID still that he thinks it's a win. I'm going to enjoy watching him suffer. Because yeah. again, he's another one where like, I think, I think Horvath has announced she's going to retire if she loses. Oh, okay. And I, if not, I think she's out, out anyway. I don't think, DeLuca, I think he'll have to resign when they lose too. Oh, he is not a party leader, man. I, I hate to say it, but like so much of politics actually is based on your, uh, you know, public perception appearance as well. Yeah, I'm not saying uh, Horvath. I'm not saying Horvath or Doug Ford are like good-looking people, but they're not weirdos. No, you know what I mean. They're not weird. You look like a villain. Yeah, he's a fucking weirdo. <laughs> That's my main impression of him. Well, like, I, even, I don't care about his politics. Even Joe Biden, like, is a weirdo, but doesn't look it. No, he looks like Not your grandpa. He, you put a child near him, and he starts <laughs> smelling them. <laughs> it's rubbing, but, like, rubbing on hair. his own, the guy doesn't look like he belongs no. as a villain. No, exactly. Give him five minutes around, like, without a handler, and he does, but... <laughs> but no, like, it's just crazy. And that I guess that brings us to American politics. And... That looks to be a interesting bloodbath going on there. Uh, I guess they're starting their midterms now. Some primaries are happening, and then it'll be concluded. The, it's not uniform there, but it'll all be wrapped up by November. Yeah, their midterms for sure. And I think with that, like it's, it's the again. This is where right of center is getting their counterswing. I I look to America from our perspective. <coughs> And I'm a little jealous because their movement on the right seems far more unified. Yeah. There's a lot less fracturing going on in the States, which gives me hope because they kind of are the, the bellwether for the North American. Well, they always do kind of get the big tent thing going, right? So, like, you've got libertarians, you've got uh, social conservatives, you've got fiscal conservatives, you've got people... I'm. And I'm not talking about the party here. No. I'm talking about clearly the voters, because I'm not a big fan of the Republican Party, per se. Well, even within it, like, you've got Rand Paul, who represents the Libertarians. Yeah, 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 exactly. So, but, uh, so, yeah, they all, and they all end up voting Republican. So, you know, it, it's interesting, because up until recently, it really did look like it was going to be an absolute bloodbath uh, for the Democrats. They were just going to get smoked. And it does still look like they're going to lose, and lose fairly big, but I think that's kind of going to be tempered a little bit by this pending Roe v. Wade uh, Almost by design. Well, okay. Here's it the way came I, into the news cycle at an opportune time. But here's the thing. If you're a conservative, particularly a social conservative... Wouldn't you take a Roe v. Wade overturning over potentially losing a midterm? I mean, can't you have your cake and eat it too? Maybe, maybe. And, and the the other 
danger is that if the, and I don't think anybody's projecting this, but if the Democrats were ever to get a supermajority, um, I think they need to have over 60 in the Senate. Yeah. Then they could pass actual federal legislation um, that would be uh, filibuster proof legalizing abortion up until third like up until birth yeah so you, you don't want to motivate the democratic voters so much that you run that risk but realistically you know if you're just talking about whether you're going to win a majority or change that like it, it's i think it's totally worth it to to lose out on what would have been maybe your supermajority to stop the innocent murder <laughs> right well i think i think too optically doing it now which ultimately they don't have a time control over like it went to the supreme court the supreme court is going to do their own timeline no they yeah, largely it, it, don't have a timeline on any well, of them. watch it come out like the actual overturn oh it'll be in, like, like september yeah. yeah exactly yeah a hundred percent um but no like well, think, hopefully they don't do it in July, because people like to riot in festival this summer. summer weather. Uh, you know, oh, wait. riots are coming. It's an election season. Riots are coming. Of course. Yeah, that's uh, And that's not even conspiracy. That, uh, that's that's a fact. You can set your watch by yeah. it. Yeah. Um, riots will happen this summer, no matter what. Um, but no, like I think it almost looks better to do it now when you don't have the strong arm of the system. Versus when you have a supermajority or a, even a bulky majority, oh yeah, where yeah. it almost looks like you seize control and then did this, right? Um, but don't I I make no qualms about it. I think I think Roe v Wade, not even again. I own my bias a hundred percent of the time. I am pro life, always will be now. Right. There was a time in my early years where I was pro choice till I felt a baby kick till I held a baby. It yeah. changes your understanding of what is all happening. I think so. I also think it's just the environment with which in like we grow up. In oh, for sure. In that, like you go to school, it's just, was just a given. Never any question. No. And, and like no, nobody, there was never nobody any deep dive into. It. Yeah, no, there was never any deep dive into the uh, subject. It was just like we're we're pro choice. Yeah, and <laughs> we, don't we're, we're and don't be an asshole. Rights, obviously. Yeah. Um, but no, like I'm I'm fervently pro pro life. Um, but just strictly as a matter of fact, Roe v. Wade being overturned, it's just bad law. All it says is the federal government, because the way the state is set up is like, if it's not explicitly given to the federal government, they don't get to control it. And the Constitution does not explicitly give them authority over state health. Well, that's that's interesting. I mean, there's debate around that, because what you've got, if you go back to like the forming of the constitution and then you have like that into practice going forward whether it's through washington and madison and jefferson and you know so on adams there's enumerated rights um or like enumerated law within the constitution what does the constitution actually spell out well the constitution's not the most lengthy document right so so the federal government ends up inferring um, things based on the Constitution, which are called non-enumerated rights. Or, uh, you know, powers. Enumerated 
non-enumerated powers. So, like, did Jefferson have the authority to buy the territory of Louisiana, which is, like, a huge chunk of the states now, not just the state of Louisiana, uh, from the French? Well, it didn't say outright in the Constitution that the president has the power to purchase new lands. But... You know, it goes to the Supreme Court, or does the does the federal government have the right to set up uh, a national bank? Again, it's not spelled out in the Constitution whether they can or not, but they did, and then there's debate about that, and it goes to the court, and the court will make a ruling if they have to. So th- there's there's debate as to how you're supposed to view the Constitution within the states. Yeah. But, like, based on today's understanding and how it's interpreted, states have discretion over their health care policies. Yeah, and that's the Republican, and I say this not as a small r Republican, not Republican yeah. Party. That is the Republican ideal of, yes, what, what powers the federal government doesn't have falls to the states. Yeah, um, but, like, you've, and ultimately, like, it's not even about like pro-choice pro not it's a privacy case where yes. the government yeah, yeah, yeah. had no right to know what medical, ha- medical history right and all that stuff. Yeah, yeah. um and even then at the it's time between you and your doctor doctor and even then at the time it only allowed the, the federal government to place bans below one first term first trimester because they used the the point of viability but the thing is <coughs> Viability has changed so drastically. It's an ever-shifting... Right. As technology grows. So, like, it's bad case law. It's also founded on outdated technology and and healthcare practices. And ultimately should be a state's right issue in... Right, which which is what will happen. And, like, people think, like, oh, we're not... You're going to outlaw abortion. Well, no, we're going to allow democratic governance to dictate their own policy. Meaning, if you live in Alabama, I'm sorry, you're probably not going to have as easy access to, to murder you babies. You probably have to go out of state. But if you're, in, if you're in California, chances are you'll still be allowed to leave your born baby on the table. Yeah. Which is like... And no, people, absolutely. La- people absolutely. laugh at that, but that's a thing. It does like, happen. They're, it's, they're, not, it's not the most common form of abortion, but that's not to say that it never happens. Yeah. It does. And, and you've got... So, like... You're not seeing a push to shut down California's voice, where the people of California (coughs) vote these people in based on whatever number of qualities they want, that being one of them. This is a this is purely a negative action on. It's anti-democratic. Well, no. What I mean when I say negative, I mean more in the um, in the kinetic, like sort of. political sense in that it's a non-action by removing repealing Roe v. Wade um, it's not them banning abortion it's them stepping out of the way yes of the of, states of citizens in your in within your own because demo- when it comes to like the federal democracy you don't have the same influence as you do your, your state level mm-hmm. where like if a state is very conservative <clears throat> And I, I mean that mindedly, like conservative-minded, and they, they view, like the Bible Belt, they view it as, like, it is an affront to God. Yeah. 
Yeah, and, and I think, you know, people have a problem with the, the seeming religious argument, and there is a huge contingent of, of on the right, or on the... I shouldn't even just say right. It does largely fall into a left and right sort of uh, category, but there's people on the left who are pro-life, well, there's people on the I, right who are I know who a lot of, like, the crazy hippie super <clears throat> vegans would also yeah, say, absolutely. hey, no, like, this is this is yeah. a life. Yeah. And I, I do see, too, like, you're seeing this generation of young kids are starting to understand a new context to it. They are understanding this on a level that we never were offered. Um, you see a lot more young pro-life nowadays, and I think that's a, a part of why this is still in the fervor. Um, but it's almost certain at this point, Roe v. Wade will be overturned. Um, cities will, will definitely be burned. Yes. Antifa will do their thing. Uh, you may see skids of bricks dropped in cities <laughs> for, for renovations. Yeah, yeah. Um, and, you know, it, it's tough because even though, you know, I'm <coughs> pro-life, by principle, thoroughly, um, pragmatically, I've always kind of been reluctantly pro-choice with... Um, you know, major limitations. And I think I would arguably still fall into that somehow. It, it just, again, not <clears throat> not philosophically, not personally, but just sort of from a political sense. You know, I, I'm not really going to hold it against somebody for taking Plan B. No, no. I, um, I will, you know, I will think maybe you probably shouldn't be making those decisions, but whatever, lots of people do. It's the majority of how people act these days, so... Well, yeah, we, li- we live in a very hookup culture. Exactly. So, um, that aside, I- I'm not going to hold it against you for taking Plan B. I- I'm not really going to hold it against somebody uh, for taking... for having an abortion. I know people who have, and now I would never comment on it to them unless they asked me. Uh, but as far as I'm concerned, that's between them and God, yeah. <laughs> if that's the case, if that's what's going to happen. But, uh, and you know, their own, their own well-being. I'm not, I don't, I don't hate somebody who's had an abortion. I feel pity for them because I think a lot, in a lot of cases they end up feeling well, bad. Well, I think that's a side of the whole argument that never really gets talked about. And it's, it's a, a really a fault of the pro-choice people is they, they, they will fight so viciously to allow people to do that, but the minute they're in that clinic, it, the support is done. Yeah. So it's like, we don't talk about the aftercare. Like, okay, you've, you've got done and done this, but that takes a toll on most people. Mm-hmm. It takes a special kind of person for that not to actually weigh on you. Like, we have no aftercare, there's no follow-up, there's no mental health help That's like that should literally be, like, part and parcel. No, you might as well have just got your hair cut. Right. And that that's as far as... So, like, and that's a side of it people don't really talk about. Is like I, I know people that have had abortions, and they they talk about regret and and the self loathing that comes. Not everyone. Some no. people are fine. Yeah, some but people there's are a, still celebrating. It's it's not a small number that suffer after this, in no. in no, silence not. and alone. But it was Often, their yeah. right to be to to be there and then be deal with it. So yeah, I mean, I I see it. Uh, kind of depends on what what I really want to see on a wider scale but like 
If my goal is to maintain the union, speaking about America here, um, I'm not sure that overturning Roe v. Wade is the most conducive thing, because I do think this is going to drive a huge wedge between people um, across the board. And, um, you know, I think it will just be another nail in the coffin uh, of the whole union. But I'm kind of now leaning towards I'd like to see some of that dissolving <laughs> and, and like a breaking up of America. Um, and if this is the thing that gets them a little bit further, maybe so be it. But I don't know. I, I try not to come down harshly on the pro-choice uh, people in general. I think there's obviously some abhorrent people in it, but uh, I don't think your average pro-choice person is an abhorrent person. Well, I think a lot of them get get sold a, a bill of goods that isn't necessarily true. I think if, if you have conversations with people that are... Even they have, like, okay, there's a line. Like, a lot of people... I... I, I don't think there's any reasonable human being that, that I couldn't sit down... Thing. Or just... That I couldn't sit down and talk to for a while and get them to agree that, okay, yes, some limit would make sense. And then it's just a question of where. Right. And when. Yeah. So, uh, now, that line is going to be different for lots of different people and it's going to, you know, uh, be all over the map. But very, very few people are going to think, yeah, it would totally be okay to just, like, take an ice pick. And stab the baby before it's born. Sorry to be graphic. But, like, yeah. you know what I mean? Like, um, very few people would be okay right. with that. And, like, I mean, nobody even touches on the top, topic that, that it's very racially biased. I mean, yeah. it, it straight up started as eugenics. But it is, even today, it's, it's even if the well, malice it, Mar- behind like it is Like, they gone, would certainly set up Planned Parenthoods, like Margaret Singer and everything. She would set up Planned Parenthoods in... She was just an espoused racist. Yeah, and I I haven't looked into it enough. But yes, I've heard that for sure. Like, direct quotes. But my my policy standpoint, and like, it's difficult for me to separate the idea of separating church and state. So like, I have my, my individual moral and religious views on things, and that steers me in my beliefs. Yeah. But I also understand that I can't place my religious beliefs on society. So the question is how you make that compromise. Right. And I, I, to compromise, I would say, generally speaking, a heartbeat bill solves everything. Uh, if a tragic scenario happened, some, some girl was raped. Unfortunately, it happens all too often. Immediately, plan B is available. No questions, no asks, no nothing. Yeah. You'd, it's not surprise six weeks later I was raped. Yes, there's some times where they take time to, to process it, but no matter what, we set up the... Should be a resort, like, yeah. first resort. Yeah, like, and it's... no questions asked. But and, and the reason I justify that kind of compromise is, right now I see it as a massive problem. A, a bunch of innocent babies die out of just convenience every year. Yeah. Um, how can we work together to, to moralize the action? Because it's like, this is not moral. Like, we need to stop pretending like this is a normal, acceptable thing. This is what falling cultures do. Um, But, like, okay, how can we reduce that number? How can we work together to find middle ground? Because, like, at some point, you've got got to find middle ground. 
Because if you just keep in this, I agree. That, you're gonna split I, the I, union. I, I wouldn't want to see a hard and fast rule. Um, yeah, technically, we are in the extreme of the other side. We are in Canada. Hey, that's you, oh, Canada that's, literally has no protection. Yeah, you you could do it at any time by our legal laws. Again, it's not common, but it's not unheard of either. By our laws, you can be on the birth table. Mm-hmm. The mother can say. I don't want to do this. I'm not ready. It will affect my mental health. And the doctor, barring any moral objections they have, have the legal ability to terminate that pregnancy mid-birth. Yes. Meanwhile, if that girl walking into the hospital to deliver was to be hit by a car, the baby dies, that driver gets charged with manslaughter. Yeah. (laughs) Um, Yeah, there's lots of contradictions in it. and. Yeah, I mean, <clears throat> we'll see what happens in America with it. Of course, there will be riots. Of course, there will be, um, you know, unrest. And, you know, I, I hope... Uh, well, I actually don't know what I hope out of that. Um, but it, it's obviously a tough issue for a lot of people. I'm at this sides. weird spot where it's like, I hope for chaos. Yeah, and that's kind of a... Like I was kind of getting it. It's kind of a motivating thing in my mind is like, why? What are we doing? Why are we pretending like we're all in this together? Yeah, we're clearly not. Well, and in the same. And I think the more you kind of spend time in that system, you just realize that it, there's no solution. The system itself is so broken. And I hate to sound too much like a radical leftist, but it is something we both agree on. We just don't agree on the solution on how you fix it. Right. The system itself is is beyond repair. Yeah. So the best I can hope for is maybe we can find somebody that can fix it from within. But I'm starting that 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 outlook is getting bleaker and bleaker. Yeah, we'll see. I mean, I'm still a DeSantis fan, but I don't know. I don't know what's going to happen there. I don't want to see Trump back, but I think that that's the I'd most like to see a split thing. ticket. We need to have like put in Tulsi Gabbard with with oh, a solid Republican. Tulsi Gabbard and... Uh, she's a fox, too. <laughs> yeah, she's not bad. <laughs> She'd kick your ass, though. No, right? <laughs> like, still active-duty military. Yeah, yeah. C- calls herself Democrat, but also, like... She's... Uh, you she's know what? starting to alienate herself among the Democrats. I was just going to say, I think she's completely alienated herself now. And this isn't... You know, I well, still like pro- her. She's pro-life. Yeah, but I think she always kind of has been. Well, they- well, she's like... I don't... I don't want to misspeak and put my foot in my mouth, but she's like Maui Hawaiian, where like everything to them is sacred, including life. It's just I don't know if it's a religion or just a, a belief system. Well, she's she's a Christian. I know that. <clears throat> um, I don't know if there's any sort of things on top of that. Like you know how like <clears throat> in Africa you can have. Uh, Christians who have, like, tribal yeah, yeah. Uh, layers as well. Uh, no, I don't know if there's some sort of Hawaiian layer on top of that. <clears throat> Sorry. Uh, but, uh, yeah, she is Christian, and she's not afraid to speak about that, which I think also alienates her from from the Democratic Party these days. Um, she She does kind of seem to be at odds with all of the actions of the Democrats. So I think it's fair, if you are a Democrat, to sort of question, like, listen, what are you doing here now? Like, are you actually a Democrat? 
but you know, she's still a liberal in a lot of different ways. I don't know what her her opinion is. I haven't looked at it as far as Roe v. Wade. I wouldn't be surprised. She I, she actually gave a pretty explicit. This needs to go. <coughs> oh, the like the, she. The, but she, is it from a legal sense, or is she like she wouldn't? I couldn't imagine I, her being truly. I, I might be paraphrasing here, but she literally. I'm gonna have to check it out, and I'll put it in the show notes. But I'm pretty positive she talked about it being like a crime on a generation. Like yeah. she is pretty fervently pro-life. I've seen some numbers out there, and this was going back a few years, so it might be quite a bit higher. But like since Roe v. Wade, which was 1970, something like that, something so sometime in the 70s, if something like there had been 50 million abortions in the states, and that like. You know, you can't just say that that means that there's 50 million people. Certainly some of those people will have died. It will have changed the future behavior of some of the parents. But certainly you're talking about tens of millions of people, many from the black community. Um, like the black community, I think right now is 12%, 12 to 13% of the U.S. population. I think it's fair to estimate that they could be as high as 20% without yeah. abortion. Yeah, no, I I believe the numbers <coughs> almost I, double. The numbers I saw were even even more than that. Yeah. Um, but no, I just quickly checked, and Tulsi Gabbard is fervently pro life. I, yeah. I was correct on okay. that. Okay. Yeah. She's actually tabled a couple pro life bills. Okay. Um, so again, but like, and that would have been before that was know, when Trump was in office. Yeah, because I was gonna say, like, obviously she's she not was, even in now, and and she was still more leaning towards like the Democrat Party, but the more Bernie side of it. Right. But. You know, since since Trump's left office, she's almost well. Really, she's a JFK liberal, just like Bill Maher, <clears throat> and I, I think you're certain. And, and watching him kind of unravel live, well, he's always kind of been unorthodox, um, in that or heterodox, I should say, uh, in from the Democratic Party line. You know, he he's always had the certain issues where he's said no you're wrong on this and, and sided if if not sided with the republicans certainly gone against the democrats i mean yeah he uh just last week uh he did a piece on how transgenderism in children is starting to kind of show up as a little regional and he's questioning like much like abigail schreier does where where it, it almost becomes trendy or a social contagion of some kind. I'm yeah. not saying, oh, you're going to catch... But, like, just like eating Tide Pods, <laughs> yeah, there is yeah. a certain amount of virility yeah. to it. So, it's funny, yeah. I mean, and I think he was saying more, it, not just on trans, but, like, sort of LGBT, blah, 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 alphabet soup as a whole. And, you know, the way I see it, like, because the one... The, the one question, what he was doing was he was showing, like, that graph of, like, by generation, what percentage was <clears throat> identifying within LGBT, which, we were, like, let's keep in mind, there's lesbian, that's lesbian, gay, bi, and trans. Yeah. I would say that the vast majority of the people who are now saying that they identify are probably young women. Like teenagers who are going, well, I'm bi or something. And it's just to like kind of sound interesting. 
to be yeah. a little bit different than just simply straight, right? Like, that's so boring. But, yeah, I mean, whether, like, as far as the social contagion thing and, like, versus just allowing people to be who they are, because I think there was, you see a lot of, like, leftist response to this, and they're showing, like, a graph of people who are left-handed uh, by percentage of the population over time. And in, like, the early 1900s, it's super low. It's, like, around, like, 3 or 4%. And then by, like, the 40s and 50s, I think it starts to rise up and gets to, like, 12% and then just levels right off. And basically the argument is that before, prior to that, people were just being forced into being right-handed. <clears throat> and without that societal pressure, it could level out at the 12% of the population that's left-handed. <clears throat> okay, but I don't think that that's really what's happening. Well, I, I don't think that... Because, I mean, Gen Z right now is showing something like 20%. I heard some up to 30. Right. So, uh, and again, I think the vast majority of that is people saying that they're bi. Right. There's a huge tent there, you know. It's not 30% of people saying that they're trans. Right. But also, like, you're not, like, none of that, like, again, you could be right with a certain benchmark that has been suppressed. Oh, I, and I'm not actually advocating that. I'm just saying that that's that, what the left's response That wouldn't is. be a regional... <laughs> No, I think I think that's a valid criticism. Honestly, I think there probably has been suppression. I, I bring it up I, because I think it's I would, somewhat valid. I yeah. would say maybe five percent would be uh, considered like who knows, but, but who knows? But certainly not thirty. Thirty is like you could not suppress that. <laughs> no, yeah, exactly. Um, but also, like, how can you explain your numbers varying so wildly by region? Yeah, there's that. Well, you could say that the the social pressure against it is still regional as well but here's the thing there has been polling showing higher numbers of gay people among older generations before when those older gen generations were younger but the, pro the what ends up happening is people grow up and they end up falling into uh, more or less monogamous heterosexual relationships and it leaves like a baseline of like three to four percent that form long-term gay or some sort of varied something other than hetero right. relationships, which seems about right. Like you know, it's totally subjective. But when I deal with people on a day-to-day -day basis, if I meet fifty people in a day, like interact with 50 people in a day I'm not really sure of any who are gay like maybe a couple here and there and it's fine I don't have a problem with it it's just like the majority of people I know are straight yeah. like, and, and it's certainly not like I don't think that one in five people that I meet are closetly gay or have been forced into pretending like they're straight. Right? Well, certainly like, not. Well, the other thing too, and and this kind of goes to the social contagion side, is I don't frame my perspective on anyone, like really anyone I interact with, around their sexuality. No, it's 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 to the point like I don't know or care. No, but like, but you know, you kind of like through the more you get to know somebody, you kind of like oh, oh for you got a girlfriend, you live with your for girlfriend. sure. Okay, I get for it. for sure, but it's like. It's so, like, obscure to me that, like... But the other side of it, like, if you go to California, yeah. it is the primary de defining feature of people's personalities. It's like, this is who I am. My sexuality is my everything. Well, but, I mean, that's happening. I, I get... It, it 
California is the extreme because it's such a left stronghold, but man, just everywhere, these, your identity, your, your superficial identity markers are becoming what defines you. Right, and, and you're seeing the siloing, and I think that's where you kind of see the, the regional differences. Like, if you go to a trade school versus a liberal arts school, you're going to see a very different siloing just based on ideology. Seemingly, that's the deciding factor, yeah. I mean, there, there's other things that will factor into it, but yeah, that seems to be the main divide in a lot of that. Um, but I, I do, like, going back to, like, Bill Maher, and I think I think he's kind of the bellwether. Him and people like Tulsi Gabbard, where you've got rational, quote-unquote, Democrats, or I would call traditional liberals, Yeah. Um, but you're seeing them, one, they're no longer afraid to kind of speak out against the crazy the, the too far left. Mm-hmm. Um, not only that is it shouldn't be underestimated the the amount of support they kind of represent. There's a lot of people that that kind of trapped in the middle that might hold liberal or, or, or progressive views to a limit. Mm-hmm. And they're giving them an out and, and, a, and a voice may impact politics as we know it for some time. Yeah, and I, I do think that there will be a trend towards that. I hope so. Um, a counter to that is that like I also follow a lot of the young people, young uh, leftists, I wouldn't even just say liberals, Like some, there's, some of them are like straight-up socialists uh, online. Um, like Kyle Kalinske comes to mind, uh, Crystal Ball. <laughs> um, you know, but they're... When they talk about Bill Maher now, it's very much like a, what is, like, he's betraying us. Or when they talk about Tulsi Gabbard, man, they go all in on Tulsi Gabbard. Well, she's just Russian disinformation. Well, no, 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 that that sort of establishment leftist (laughs) idea, that's like Hillary Clinton. Yeah. But, like, these people aren't saying that she's, like, a Russian cat spy or something. They're just saying she's... You know, and might, they, they basically too. just say, "Yeah, no, she, there's like, another one." She had a whole rant where she went off and yeah. was like, "Democrats are disowned." Like they're not, and like the very next day, it was like, "No, like we support the democratic view." <laughs> well, you know, I I've never really given Young Turks much um, much time of day. Uh, I think that their sort of heyday was before I became more politically inclined so like i really started to come online and like it's come online it sounds like the matrix but like right. in well, probably 2015 i'd always had some like simmering ideas but like it wasn't really until 2015 that i started to kind of be like have my eyes open the red pill so to yeah. speak right but um but by that time already i feel like the young turks were kind of like just a joke right well, and like, um, but I think before, like they did have a time where they weren't. Oh yeah, same with like E Ethan from E three. I don't know his last name. H three H three. Yeah, yeah. He, Ethan Klein. Yeah, yeah. he had a He's heyday. A weirdo. Oh man, like, and I don't know what convinces somebody to go down that path. Because yeah, he was all right. I watched the H three H three. I thought he was funny back in the day, and then he got all political. But wh- what was the thing that changed him? I don't know. I th- I, I hate to say it. I, I think his wife. Really? Because, I, like, I mean, I, I, I always just got the impression from her. She was just always so, like, kind of quiet. And she'd be on his podcast and be like, yeah, yeah. I th- no, like, I think, I I think as you watch that relationship develop, 
he gets what weirder and weirder and way more left and way more left. And to the point where to it's the, just sad. Well, now. he was like he's basically on Vosh level. Yeah. And Vosh will like advocate for pedophiles. Yeah, it's weird. <laughs> it's weird. It's too bad. I mean, I I don't. It's not too bad. Someone no, all fools. exactly. Yeah, I but, don't really care. Um, but Young Turks, there was a point like they created AOC. I think yeah. that's why they're so tied to her. Yeah. Yeah, I could see that. Um, like I say, I've never really given them, like, Chank or, or Anna Kasparian much time. But there are some more principled ones. Uh, David Pakman is... I don't... I actually don't follow him as much anymore because I kind of get tired of some... He sort of, like, rides this line between young, intelligent leftist, which... He's the antithesis, but also sort of, kind of toying with this establishment sort of bit too. He kind of leans into the establishment. Yeah, I think I think he, him and like a Douglas Murray face off, because I see Douglas Murray as the right of center version of David Pakman. No, I think Douglas Murray's uh, that's no Douglas Murray's too much credit. Douglas Murray's fucking great. Uh, I, I don't know who the left of center, uh, but like, Douglas Murray, no matter what personality awesome. you pick left of center, radical left, crazy or not, like they're all losing traction. They're all losing relevance. They're not, they're not holding the zeitgeist anymore. I see, like you're seeing the culture war winning. Like you're seeing... CNN Plus lasts 21 days with 10,000 subscribers. You're yeah. seeing Netflix correcting course. Yeah. You're seeing even Twitter. At so, the thought of being bought out, they start to unfilter things. Actually, we should talk about uh, Twitter and the Elon Musk bio. We'll, we'll close out on, on that. There. Yeah? All right. Yeah, I mean, hopefully hopefully things turn around. And like I say, I would... Um, if it's at all possible to salvage... Um, our society as it is, then let's do that and have like a a sl- sort of more moderate correction, but correction nonetheless. But if, if not, not like down. let's just go. But again, I I don't think that that would be the first thing because I mean, you never know how bad that can get. Oh, for sure, and it, it doesn't matter which way you land; it's pain and suffering. Like any conflict, any dissolution of of structure, it's pain and suffering. I don't yeah, want that. but by the way, if that happens, you know, you just put one foot in front of the other, deal with things as they come, you know, nothing, we were very lucky, and we are very lucky to live and grow up in the time and place that we have. Oh, yeah. And that we we have luxuries, just, just the luxury of feeling safe, like walking or, you know. Being able to go to the store and buy groceries. Yeah. Most, 99% of humanity never had guarantees like that, and they put their, you know, one foot in front of the other and birthed the next generation. You know, so, you just deal with it if it comes, but still, if I I could choose not to have it go that bad, then, yeah, of course not. So, we're coming up on, like, an hour and a half. Okay. So we'll we'll close out with Twitter, like, and then we'll uh, we'll kind of just wrap it out. Yeah, Elon Musk. So, first off, what are your thoughts before I kind of voice? Because I I generally look at things a little deeper than surface level. 
Mm-hmm. And I think there's more to that whole situation. So, okay, a couple things. But disclaimers, I guess. I like Elon Musk, generally. I'm not... That doesn't mean I'm whole hog, like... Oh, no, I mean, he's... From I'm my somewhat wary of him as well. Well, he as soon as they announced Roe v. Wade, he announced they were going to pay $4,000 to ship... Yeah, all and, and of any of his employers. Yeah, yeah and whatever. Well, you know. I, I like Elon because I see him as... Again, a, a, I'm, I'm actually not a party-line person no, Roe v. Wade. I, I, I have my own personal things. I like Elon... Well, I, I, my, I would say party-line isn't enough. Um, right. But, like, I like Elon because he pisses off both sides and he's honestly a fairly decent neutral middle. So much of what I like about him is the people that he pisses off. It's kind of like Trump. In yeah. In that, like... Now, I, he's obviously, a, like, an actual genius of some kind. Yeah, he's uh, a savant like, or whatever. Yeah, but, uh, but no, like, I mean... Uh, but it doesn't mean I think he's the next thought leader. That there, There's a difference. But, um... Well, I don't think, like, Einstein or Newton were thought leaders. They no, were geniuses. No, 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 exactly. But, right. you know, a John Stuart Mill is a thought leader. Right. And, uh, Jefferson is a thought leader. Right. Um, but, um, as far as Musk goes, I do like him. I love the people he pisses off. That's my favorite thing. And, honestly, I think it's really cool some of the stuff he's doing. Um, SpaceX big fan i think that that's amazing and when you look at like the amount of just like by tonnage the material that we're putting into space like you look at that graph since spacex started doing this thing and it's just like it's exponential and it's like that's basically all thanks to elon musk Mm -hmm. um like he was literally the one designing he he was one of the major designers of the rocket yeah like it's not like he was just like organize the company and get people to do it he was one of the principal, and he even admits, like, he's like, I'm not the best rocket guy, and it could, probably could have gone better if I could have got the best rocket right. people. But they were getting picked up by NASA and all this stuff. Yeah. So. Anyway, so he's like, so I did it myself, which is crazy. Um, but, you know, uh, Tesla, I think it's kind of cool, actually. Like, I'm not, like, a huge driver for, or, like, a proponent of, like, everything needs to go electric. That's not it. And I get that there's other side effects, but I think it's kind of a cool thing well, that he's I, done. I just a disclaimer with the Tesla stuff. I I fully support electric infrastructure and electric like that is going to someday be the future. Yeah, yeah. Absolutely. I look at the Tesla today much like the Model A was back in the horse and buggy days. It has promise. It is quite likely the future, but it is not there yet. We need to support it. We need to work towards it. But it doesn't mean we're going to go kill all our horses. Not yet. Uh. But, you know, it, the, the capitalists, like, free market can all of a sudden make that happen. Oh, yeah. And, it, and it's, I think we are in the midst of yeah, it. Yeah, I think, I think and, in and the And by the way, 50. if you're a horse in 1905, looking at your buddy, as you see this, like, one Model T drive right. by, and you kind of go, oh, great, like, well, whatever, we're still in a job. We'll talk to you in 20 years. Right. No, you're not. You're fucking glue. Right. <laughs> and that is what happened. And I, I do think in, in 20, 25, 30 years... Yeah. Mind you, there's different things, too. Like, with the gasoline engine, you had to build gasoline stations to, to support it. What I don't want to see is government regulation and mandates no, of, like, no. you must have an electric vehicle Or the opposite, where they make it so cost-prohibitive. Right. Like, carbon taxing people out of gas engines. Um, I think uh, the duality of the system, until it becomes... A capitalist takeover, yeah. where economically it makes more sense to yeah. the consumer. But anyway, back to Elon. Yes, so 
the neural link is the other thing I think we should talk about. We definitely about. have to touch on that. My listeners specifically will get mad at me for this. Yeah, no, no, no. I think that that's, that, that's one where it's going to be a touchy subject for a lot of people, including me. I'm not... I'm, I, it's definitely something that gives me uh, some reservations, and, and I'm not at all looking to sign myself up for anything like that. I I look at sorry I I look at Neuralink and I like look I, I listen to what Elon has said in the past. Yeah, no, I, I'd like to. I was going to get into that, so let's go. The guy is a genius, mm-hmm. and he has accurately foreseen the risk that AI poses. Yes. Okay. I'm glad we're going here. Let's um, do it. mind you, I I, I th- don't get me wrong. I I think there are some use cases for Neuralink or something similar, where like, hey, we can reconnect your spine digitally. Mm-hmm. So you can walk again. Yeah, which should be incredible. I think I think that is a virtuous and if, if moral... I was quadriplegic, I'd right. be like, yeah, I let's think do that, this. and I think that's a perfect use case. Now, I don't necessarily think that hey, we're gonna have everyone five G wired up, ready to go, and then hey, we have the potential to flip a switch and everyone's just mindless robots. Yeah. So I mean, one of the things with the AI, specifically the way Elon talks about it, so he sees it AI. He's one of a community of people who really sees AI as a existential threat to humanity. Yeah, and inevitable. Yes. Yeah, no, he's very much under the assumption that this will be happening within a relatively short time frame. Yeah. I, I'm not saying his lifetime, maybe, but I think he thinks, you know, within a lifetime or two, Yeah. yeah, it'll for sure happen. And... When it does, if humanity is not prepared, we could very, very quickly find ourselves as that horse in 1920 who just gets thrown into the glue factory. There's a really cool book. uh, I don't don't know if you've read it, but uh, it's called Super Intelligence by Nick Bostrom. No. Really. It's basically like... (laughs) What, one of the cool examples that he uses to illustrate his, his... It's basically talking about the threat of AI. And this example that he uses is like these sparrows who, in their nest, find an owl egg. And the owl hatches and, you know, they start talking to themselves and being like, Hey, you know, we can raise this owl to be friendly to us. And, like, think of all the benefits that it could have for us. It could protect us and do that. All the while, they're raising and nurturing this owl that could at any moment just gobble them up, <laughs> right? Like, so, I'm not giving it full justice, but it's a really neat book. It talks about the real potential risks of um, a recalcitrant AI. And the way somebody like Elon sees it is, we need to buy ourselves time. And... For instance, the best chess player in the world is an AI computer. Um, it can beat any chess master now, uh, grandmaster. However, it can be beaten. And the way this computer can be beaten is a grandmaster paired with another AI chess player. So another computer chess player. So that combination, that cyborg, basically, is able to beat the best computer in the world right now. 
so now that a lot of people would argue that that's only a going to be a short window of time mm-hmm. at some point the monkey in the system being the human is going to be a liability well i mean but for now it has bought time yeah and he th- sees the neural link and that bandwidth between us being able to, the human brain being able to interact with uh technology as a way to buy us time to defeat AI, because in a fast takeoff scenario, which is, if you read this book, talking about the uh, a fast takeoff scenario, it's something that could happen in a matter of seconds, where they cross that threshold into AI, it's like the singularity, Self, right? Self-creating. Right. And, you know, any time that we can buy ourselves can be super valuable, and I think that that's one of his primary Well, I, goals. yeah, I, I agree, and I also think, like, from what I've seen and heard... He, and this is me kind of putting it on him myself, is I think he, he acknowledges it rightly that it's inevitable. Um, so that, and, and as with anything, it, anything at all could be used for good or bad. Mm-hmm. Um, so if, if he can get it done without the malevolent intuition, then you can kind of get a leg up on when somebody does use it for bad. Uh, and I might be oversimplifying kind of what I'm Maybe, trying to yeah. say. Yeah. But I, I do think he sees the risks more so than people give him credit for. And I, th- I think he's kind of in a race to get the good side of it ahead. Potentially, yeah. I mean, it'd be interesting to see uh, uh, talk with him now to see where he's at on that. Um, well, and I think, I think that it goes, and it parlays right back into the Twitter, is his AI stuff with Twitter and his complaints about AI, the algorithm being closed source and the, the bot problem with Twitter. Mm-hmm. Um, now I look at his move on Twitter and I, I see now a twofold attack. Do you know? Yeah. He's, he's jerking them around. Oh, he's about to make a billion dollars off them. Literally is about to make $1 billion for doing nothing. Yeah. Um, so in their draft clause, they both signed a, a failure yeah. clause, meaning if one of like if he if couldn't one get, backs out if the he other, couldn't get the money together, they would get a billion dollars. Yeah. Um, now he's highlighted the fact that they've effectively committed fraud in lying about how many bots were on the network. Yes. Um, and he's willing to prove that they knew it. It was it was conscious fraud, uh, at which point I think would almost be criminal. Well, maybe, yeah, maybe. I mean, they're lying to their shareholders at that point, and that's what you're and really he's seeing. Won. Well, that's what you're really. He's basically he offered them what forty four billion dollars, something like something that. Something like forty ish. Yeah, the the total share price was five four twenty. It was fifty four twenty. Well, it went 20. up. It went up to fifty four twenty. Uh, but I think it was. And that's as, where his typical trolling comes in because he had to get four twenty. <laughs> well, he he. He bought it for however many billions, 40-something. And he's... Yeah, they each have this clause of the billion-dollar liability at the end of it, right? But basically, what if he thinks, okay, I don't want to spend uh, 40-something billion on this. I want to buy it for less if I want to buy it. So now I'm just going to go at them about this bots thing. And look at the share price of Twitter right now. It's in the tank. Like, they are begging him 
They went from crying about him buying them out to begging them to buy him out, yeah. buy them out, because their share price is just plummeting as he like sort of throttles them with this bot yeah. issue. Um, so either he's going to walk away from it and what? So what? It's cost him a billion dollars, whatever. And by the way, if he wins a billion dollars, so what? Whatever. He's worth two hundred forty billion. Yeah. Um, but he could potentially get it for much cheaper. And if he doesn't get it and he loses the billion dollars because of what he's doing, he's just decimated Twitter. Yeah. <laughs> like, so well, well, I look at what he's done and like he's first off brought the biggest magnifying glass to, to their hypocrisy and their problems that like even people in the middle can't ignore at this point is how, how much they've been censoring and algorithmically suppressing people. Um, and the other thing that I find really interesting, and I think will eventually come to burn them in the ass real bad, is right after it was announced that they were going to sit down and we're actually going to, this might actually happen, everyone's like, oh, Elon fixed Twitter, because everyone's back, and I can post this stuff, I can talk about ivermectin. Well, no, Elon hasn't bought it, hasn't taken over. Oh, yeah, nothing's done. They started burning their evidence. They started closing the doors they were using, and getting, like... Doing the things that they knew were wrong, yeah. they stopped doing them. And and I reckon they probably started hiding their evidence. Possibly, yeah. Because eventually, he's probably going to get the keys of the kingdom. And when he gets the keys of the kingdom, he's going to get access well, he wants to, to make it open all of the logs. Yeah. I think, I think they're terrified. Yeah. Truly. He's a serious threat. And again, this is why now you're seeing... Well, just after he tweeted... Um, that he's always voted Democrat, but I think now he's going to vote Republican. Yeah. Now, like, literally the next day, he's got a sex assault scandal. Yeah, yeah, I know. I was talking to a buddy who thought it was real. Because he paid her $250,000. Yeah. I was like, you realize that's go-away money. That's, like, fuck-off money. Yeah. And he's like, that's a lot of money. I, was like, I said, you could have given somebody two cents, and it would have been, like, him giving away $250,000. Yeah. Like, give me a break. Yeah. That's totally just, I don't want to deal with this. Leave me the fuck he away. probably pays his lawyer that dealt with that problem more a year. That's the thing. And then my buddy brings up some tweet from him back in like 2014 where he's like, oh, if I ever had something like this, I would fight it out because... Or I would... It wasn't specifically about a sex allegation, but he's like, but if I was right, I would just fight. I wouldn't... Whatever. And I was like, it still doesn't mean he's going to be an idiot and spend a ton of money on some stupid case when he can just tell the girl to screw off and it's like well especially like at the time you're up and coming and a damage to your reputation like that could be problematic yeah whereas now it's like you've got absolute yeah, it's fuck hilarious. you money but my this buddy's a socialist so oh yeah hates dismissed hates hates elon <laughs> well yeah because he's the the pinnacle of free market capitalism but he should be everything that they love well yeah and and like you go speaking of musk and all of that nonsense is tesla was removed <laughs> from the um esg s&p 500 so for those of you who don't know like esg is environmental social and uh oh, governance scores yeah so basically it's like your wo eco wokest fund do the woke stuff, and we'll forgive the and eco you'll get stuff. preferential interest rates. You get preferential investment portfolios, um, and they basically removed Tesla from the investment portfolio for not aligning with his social Crazy. views. Uh, so a, a green activist fund 
has now removed the world's largest electric car manufacturer from their fund. It's crazy. Because they don't like his politics. It's amazing times we live in. But yeah, that pretty much covers a bunch, not even all of it, but a bunch of where we came from. It's a good one, yeah. But yeah, so with that, I think think we're going to close this out. We're coming up on almost two hours. Um, Next week, uh, we're also going to be a day late. Uh, I can happily announce now that we are going to have Derek Sloan join us for a before the election interview. We're down to the wire. Um, but till then, uh, thanks for joining me today. Yeah, thanks for having me. And uh, to all you guys, uh, thanks for coming back. And uh, as always, stay free, everyone. Fly away with me. Come, come and fly away with me.